Hello and a very warm welcome or welcome back to Marked Out for Fruitfulness. This is talk number 12 and our engaging topic tonight is the kingdom that simply won't stop growing. Have you discovered that? It's an incredibly precious discovery. God's kingdom simply won't stop growing. Let's look at two parables that Jesus tells. They're small, short parables with big long-term implications. The parable of the growing seed and the parable of the mustard seed. And they come in Mark chapter four. I'll begin reading at verse 26. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle to it because the harvest has come. And the second parable of a mustard seed. Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. And yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. So these two parables have the phrase, the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? Well, at its simplest, it's the reign of God. And though each of these two parables have slightly different emphases, they have one standout point in common. And it's this that I most hope will capture us tonight. And I've already told you what it is, that the kingdom of God grows. It has a built-in growth dynamic. And this is an essential fact that we have to let capture our hearts. God's kingdom is always growing. I love that. I love that. It was my experience to spend a couple of years working at a church in Addison Road, uh, not far away from St Michael's, is it? That's in West Kensington. And this was a church plant, one of the very first church plants from Holy Trinity Brompton. And I, along with uh, 99 other people, uh, joined John Irvin as he set out as curate from HDB. And we arrived in this church building with an existing congregation of nine. Well, the thing that I remember very well was on Sunday evenings, the service would start, I think, probably seven o'clock actually. And at five to seven, uh, one of the things that gave me a huge amount of pleasure would be to stand by my study window in the top floor of the vicarage of Addison Road and watch people running down the road, it's a very long road, running down the road to get to church at the very last minute. And the thing was, it wasn't the fact it was last minute that gave me pleasure. What gave me pleasure was others would see this crowd running towards the church door and they think, oh, I wonder where they're running. And they would join this, this uh, kind of team of people running and they would end up in church. And some stayed 
because they discovered the kingdom of God. God added to the number of those people who became disciples. Now it's right at the heart of both these stories. We need to look at these stories and see this. So in the first story, the farmer plants a seed and goes to bed. And while he's asleep, a crop springs up. And in the second story, the centre of the story, that mustard seed starts off looking so small, proverbially the smallest seed there was, but ended up with such prolific growth that birds could shelter in its, uh, in, in its foliage, as it were. God is utterly committed to growing his kingdom. He taught us to pray that, didn't he? Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, right in the middle of it, your kingdom come, your will be done. It, it's, it's on God's agenda that his kingdom will grow. And it's a prayer that he is answering and will go on answering. I'm going to stray from Mark's Gospel just a bit to reinforce this point, because it is so foundational everything that we stand for as a church and as Christians because I want us to get what's in God's heart about his kingdom his kingdom is not going to fail over his dead body will it fail over his resurrected body will it fail no way Jesus said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. That's in Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said in Luke's Gospel, and it's quoted similarly in Mark too, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest. And what I love about the picture there, and which seems to be a picture that people reverse actually, Jesus says the harvest is huge but I haven't got enough workers to reap the harvest. Whereas it seems to be a common mindset and people seem to think, oh, look, not many Christians out there, not a lot of potential. Uh, Why do we need to even bother? Because look, it's a shrinking enterprise anyway. No way. On God's heart, on God's heart, growth is normal because the kingdom is so attractive. A healthy church, is a growing church. That's a normal expectation. Suppose suppose that uh, you took me around to see some of your friends and they just had a baby. And uh, we, we go in and um, they say, oh, well, look, in that room there is a the baby. And actually, we've decided to do something really rather unusual. We, we thought, now that the baby's arrived and we know it's a boy or a girl, we thought, uh, we'd buy lifetime's clothes for it right now. Do all the shopping now, at least for the first 50 years. Then they take you into another room and, and they're stacked up neatly. It's it just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sets of baby clothes. Well, surely we'd turn to them and we'd say, um, mm, not quite sure you got this right. Because you've got a very healthy baby there and do you know what babies grow? We expect, we expect it in, in fact, even in six months, this, this baby won't fit into the clothes you've got for it now. Certainly not six years and, and not seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You've got a lifetime growth ahead of you. That is what happens. 
hmm, that is what happens that is that is the kingdom of God and this is a dynamic that we need to invest in pour ourselves into as we accompany and enable God's planned growth to happen I've often been struck by uh, what an outstanding uh, minister a man called David Watson was and part of his story he recorded in an autobiography called You Are My God and let me read you what happened uh, a little incident it, 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 it encapsulates this kind of uh, belief which I think is a God-given belief that we all should have that the kingdom in, entails growth what are we going to do with you when we close you down this was a discouraging and unnerving question I was asked on my second full day at St Cuthbert's Church in York. The questioner was the chairman of the Church Redundancy Commission, who had come with the rest of the commission to consider the future use of the church. I'd only just arrived. I believed that it had a future as a living church. The commission were already planning its future as a possible museum for York University. I gave the chairman what may have seemed a typically pious remark from a young clergyman. Quote, if anyone comes to this church and preaches the simple gospel of Christ, believes in the power of prayer, and trusts in the Holy Spirit, this building will be full in no time. Unconvinced, they gave me one year's grace before, regretfully, they would have to close St Cuthbert's down. Well, those of you who know the story will know that far from having to close it down the church became so full they had to actually offer a neighboring church called St Michael the Belfry in York so that the congregation could continue to grow. Of course I, I, I'm long enough in the tooth to realize it can sound naive can't it and certainly the growth of the kingdom of God is not all plain sailing we've seen that uh, even last week when we looked at the parable of the sir there is plenty of opposition along the way. And in fact, Jesus tells another story about a farmer who goes out to sow seed and he finds that weeds have been sown in his good field, representing opposition. But the basic fundamental thing we need to get into our heads and our hearts is this. If you scatter and I scatter kingdom seed on the ground, it will bear fruit, it will grow. If it's not growing, well, then we need to examine why not. Uh, are we making it hard for people to connect with the king? Are the things that are in the way, are the barriers that are stopping people from encountering the love of Jesus and from hearing the word of the kingdom? I remember once, you know, one of the occupational hazards when you are a vicar is A, people's initial reaction when they hear that you're a vicar. And then they'll ask you, or they might ask you, as, as they did on this occasion, so where, where's your church? And I told them the name of my church. It was, in fact, before I moved to London. Oh, they said, you're not one of those Jesus churches, are you? To which I said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's precisely what we are. And I wasn't trying to be obnoxious or objectionable to him, but surely that's what we should be. And I, I realise the church and the kingdom are not absolutely interchangeable, but the church should sniff of the kingdom of God. 
people should be able to spend time with us and come out knowing what the king is like. And where they do, growth will happen. Now, let's just look quickly at a few points as I come towards the middle and close. What else does this first parable tell us about the growing seed? Well, a few things to pick up, I think, are helpful. The first thing is, we've covered slightly, that once planted, there is an energy within itself that brings growth. There is a dynamic that makes it happen. And it's slightly outside our control, well, very much so. A bit in the same way as you plant a seed, might be a grass seed, it might be a tulip bulb or a daffodil, and you go back home and you go to sleep, and, and really, in, unless you study these things, you don't know how it happens, but it does happen. And secondly, you can stare at it all you like all through the day, and you won't actually see the growth. But if you took a time capture picture and could see it over a gap of a few weeks, few months, you would notice a difference. And it is like that with God's kingdom. Maybe from one hour to the next, you can't see a difference, but I'm sure over the years you can. And I'm sure that your friends can see the kingdom of God is changing you year by year and decade by decade. And again, just reinforcing the point, there is a dynamic of growth, which is intrinsic in the gospel. I think, in fact, I'm sure, don't just think, I'm sure this is what Paul is describing in Romans chapter one. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's God's power for salvation for everyone who believes. And the word power is, is rich here. It means there's a dynamic in it, like dynamite. There is a dynamic in it that is bound to have a reaction. And that's the gospel, the power of the gospel and our experience as people, when we connect with the love of God and the good news of a kingdom, something happens. And some people will turn away, but many people will turn to God as a result. I expect God's kingdom to come and to grow. Jesus didn't say, guys, follow me and maybe we can start something good. You know, who knows, it could take off. Crop failure could be could happen. Now, let me tell you a story, said Jesus, about a parable about a man who had crop failure. No, he never does that. Never. There is a sting in the tail to this first story, just so we don't uh, miss it. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts a sickle into it and because the harvest has come. And this is talking to us. We don't have all the time in the world here. Judgment day will come. The king could return. We could die. We have to make the most of the opportunities as we have it. So on quickly to the mustard seed, proverbially the smallest of all seeds. And the point that's being made here is what looks small and in insignificant from a distance can grow into something absolutely dynamic and world-changing. If you want an example of that, just Google growth of Christianity in China and skim the account there of what's been going on. And you will see that little by little, one by one, especially in times of persecution, the Christian church has grown and grown and grown. But you don't have to just look at whole countries. You could look in families. And many is the family story where one individual has turned to Christ and their influence on whole generations 
of a family has become profound, little by little. You know, it must have seemed so unlikely when Jesus stood up and taught that day with his ragbag bunch of disciples and his wannabe aspirants uh, listening to him. When he said, I will build my church, when he said the kingdom of God is going to continue to grow, and they might have thought, really? But we can look back with the distance of history now and the perspective of history, and we can say, Jesus, Lord Jesus, you're right. We praise you, we thank you. Your kingdom is continuing to grow. Other kingdoms, the Roman kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom, all the other kingdoms you read about of history might have declined and vanished. But the kingdom of God is still growing, is still growing, and it will continue to grow. And finally, let's just notice in the very last couple of verses here that uh, Jesus spoke to the disciples as much as they could understand. He didn't overwhelm them with his knowledge. Little by little, he fed it to them. He was a patient teacher. So a couple of questions to discuss. Question one, do you expect God's kingdom to grow where you are? If so, why? And if not, why not? What's holding it back? Question two, growth is often difficult to spot from one day to another, but looking back over a period, one can see it has happened. Looking back, how has your faith grown over recent years? Have a good discussion group.